Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. I trust that life never delivers more to me than I can handle. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And today's topic, inspired by another one of our gorgeous listeners, is the concept of emotional unavailability. And this struck a chord with me because when I got this email, I said to the girl, oh my God, yes, we are so doing this because I have actually been working on it. I was just about to trot off to my kinesiologist for 24 hours after to muscle test on this exact topic for myself. So the listener... Oh, backs therapy. Oh no, sorry. Everyone gets to tune in for another half hour therapy session with Rebecca. No, but um, so so the, the listener said, recently in doing some self-reflection and shadow work, I've found a common theme in my life of people presenting as emotionally unavailable. Knowing that you attract what you are, I've been exploring my own emotional unavailability. As a very warm and loving person, I've always believed myself to be very emotionally open and available, but I can see now that this just isn't the case. So she's she goes on to say... You know, she just hopes we can share our thoughts about why, what it looks like, and how to free yourself from it. Mm. What do you think, Jane? Okay. When I think of the people that I know that are emotionally unavailable, I can so effortlessly and easily see the tiny, beautiful little child they are that is completely unworthy. That is genuinely what they believe. They're not good enough. They're not worthy. And they have, their feelings are hurt. They're, they're likely highly sensitive, actually. Yeah. Um, and they have grown up to find that the best way to manage to navigate life is to shut down the emotional connection. They're often quite damaged. Oh, incredibly I damaged. Have to say that incredibly. We have been damaged. Very, very damaged. And, you know, it's, so, it can be subtle, can't it? We're not necessarily saying, oh, he was beat with a belt every day when he was a kid. It's not, you know, it might not have been anything like that. It could be the third child of five, the middle child that was always, you three older ones are in trouble and you three younger ones are in trouble and the third kid was in both lots. Or it could be, it, it, oh, look, it's so many it's things it so, could be. It's people who grew up in what we call really healthy, happy, normal families, but they're just damaged. They've got extremely low self-worth or insecurity and they've got a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of walls up. The biggest, the biggest thing that has to be broken through first is their fear of being hurt. So they've been traumatized deeply at some level. Now they may not even remember it because they've probably got so good at blocking it out and not feeling it, but they have a very deep seated fear that if I deeply, richly, openly with great vulnerability connect with another, I'm going to be hurt and I don't know if I would survive it. Right. And I. People truly believe they can not survive a broken heart. Yeah. And, uh, and they just don't want to put themselves there and it's something they can control. Yeah. Because it comes up in love life, like, you know, relationships is what I'm trying to say, stuff a lot where, again, often it might be the person who had the perfect childhood, but maybe they had some terrible heartbreaks when they entered into love as a young adult or as a, in their 20s or something, and they just can't go there anymore. They can kind of be around people. They're there, but they're not really there. They're, they're current, they're present. It looks like they're sort of initiating or they're sort of interested, but they're like fish. They just kind of swim away, away out of your grasp. Every time you try and grab them, they're just kind of not really there or they haven't really got your back or they just sort of disappear on you a little bit. And the other thing that I, I can track when I think of all the emotionally unavailable people I've known, none of them actually do have good relationships with their parents. 
I, I, I can think of like they generally they're scared of their parents. They, Most they of them are actually fearful issues, of their parents, yeah. or they're scared of them, or they don't have good adult relationships with them, or they don't speak to them properly, or they're slightly ostracized, or I don't know. It just seems, and like this other guy I knew that was very emotionally unavailable, he was always judging everyone. He really hated people, and he almost was like a joke, like. Oh, you know, paying out that group of people. We've had a game. That group. It's just, yeah. Oh, Look at me, aren't I clever? Look yeah. what I've observed. Wouldn't it be fun if there was a zombie apocalypse and all those wankers died and all those douchebags died and like, all these horrible work where he just was just like everyone out there in the world is so annoying and they're just so obnoxious. Well, another word for emotionally unavailable can be narcissism. Okay. Now that's so 100% of narcissists are emotionally unavailable. Right. That's 100%. But if you are emotionally unavailable, it doesn't mean that you're a narcissist either. No. But for the most part, I think you're right, Jane. They are actually just the hurt, injured little children. Yeah, when exactly. the child is running They've shut down. Show. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, this, this, I'm going to assume this is a woman because yeah, I am she has said as a very warm and loving person. Oh, it was a woman? Yeah, okay. Yeah, now, yeah. look, that doesn't mean a man can't describe themselves like that, but it's a, the wording is typical of a woman. Mm, she, yeah. Um, and like, always believe myself to be very emotionally open and available. Now, Let's look at how we are manufactured from birth to be or institutionalized to be warm and loving and emotionally available. So that's what good little girls do. That's what good women do. Yeah. We are, we are to be the nurturers. We are to be the, so it becomes a role that you play rather than a way of feeling a true quality that you're actually wishing to share. Yes. Bring. You're just kind of often just so I probably had the reverse I had the reverse now and I'm this is not to say better or less uh, or less than it's just different but it is a flip side where I always felt I had this massive heart that just wanted to love but I wasn't to do that I don't know maybe it's the same thing maybe it is the same thing okay so I always felt I was this little ray of sunshine that was happy happy open Kind, excited, very reactionary to what's going on over here, like a little fairy or butterfly or whatever, fluttering around, happy, happy, happy. But I learned over time that that was too painful. And so I shut that behavior down. Yeah. And it wasn't until I did, you know, 20 years of deep self-development work to be able to know, hang on, I can be this person again. However, I'm going to have healthier boundaries and tools. Right. So maybe, I don't think I did become emotionally unavailable, but I was very selective about who I was emotionally open to. So there's trust there as well. There's a lot yeah. of trust earning that needs to come in. And place. I actually, like people would say, oh, Jane, you make friends so easily. No, I make acquaintances very easily. I make friends over a long period of time, very slowly and very carefully. So therefore... Some could perhaps say I'm not emotionally open because I have a blind, you know, like any condition or trait or behavior, there's varying degrees. And I love this little exercise where if you, if you picture you've got your window and you've got a blind on it and the blind is completely closed when you meet somebody. Yeah. Or now what I was as that little girl was that my blind was wide open. It was open to the very top, was that anyone could see anything about me. I had nothing hidden. And then as I grew, I learned that wasn't healthy, mm. that it wasn't, it was abused by certain people or it just wasn't working for me. So I started to pull the blind down. Now, somebody who's emotionally unavailable 
probably started with their blind fully open as well, but they've had to pull it down and they've put it all the way down to the bottom. Right. But I don't believe there's people that are, unless they're full-blown narcissists, and even then you can usually find some area that the blind is open to. Yes. So what my thing to this girl is, is that you have probably attracted this into your life so that you can start to find the tools and resources for you to be able to open your blind a little bit more. Right. Okay, so it's not all or nothing. It's And that blind is going to be open at different points for different people. So as I said, I will have acquaintances that I make really easy. And, you know, every person that meets me would say I'm incredibly open. And I am to a certain point. But there are certain things I don't share until I know that that information is not going to be used and abused inappropriately, that it's going to be respected and loved and honoured in me. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So where is your blind at? And if you're feeling that you're being perceived or that you believe you are a little emotionally unavailable, what is it that you can do to get that blind a little bit more open? And how can you choose your tribe of who you're going to practice this on? Yeah. Uh, Be careful who you practice on. Because I'm slightly wondering if there might be people listening today, as we go into what emotional unavailability really is, you might have some light bulb moments where they might go, do you know what? That describes my father. Or, you know, the people... Oh, it's definitely my beautiful dad. The people that we don't question growing up, but we always thought that one was a bit standoffish or that one was a bit different or that one was a bit hard to warm up or that one was just always a bit cold or never wanted to be hugged or, you know, it might be a sister. It might be that person that's always a bit awkward and a bit standoffish or something. We're surrounded by these people in our lives, these emotionally unavailable people. That's right. Um, And so certainly... But, But, you know, the power is in the individual to be able to make that person feel safe so that they can share a little bit more emotional openness. I know, but how do you ask a five-year-old to help make a 47-year-old father more feel more emotionally safe? Like, it, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I can, I can feel that from the inner child's perspective, it is unfair. Like, you know, I'm the one that's come through with the human right to be cuddled and loved and da-da-da-da-da-da. How come, you know? Because we know how come soul lessons and all sorts of reasons that we put up our hand for the parents that we call in. But... I mean, I think that in it, I think I would refer anyone back to the inner child podcast of this episode. Absolutely. Because there's absolutely going to be that child inside you who's feeling very ripped off at any love, nurturing, cuddles, affection, physical, all of the five love languages. If, if any of those have been cut short on you in childhood by any of your primary caregivers, there is going to be ramifications of that. And that was absolutely worth. my beautiful dad, who I love dearly. However, you know, he had a tough journey. He, he uh, grew up in a very patriarchal Irish family, um, all had to be scientists, all had to be incredibly high achievers, um, grew up in a, a Catholic, was sent to boarding school, um, you know, which, ouch, yeah. just that alone, boarding school alone is ouch. Gosh. Um, then can I say that it was one of the schools where there were brothers that, were there any that weren't, mm-hmm. that were abusing yeah. all of the children. Yeah. Um, he has never shared he was and but he has shared that a lot of his friends were, you know, massive trauma, yeah. massive, that has never been dealt with, never talked about, and these poor adults that are now in their 70s and 80s have grown up with being manipulated by the brotherhood to feel deep shame right. that they were involved in this. Refer to the shame podcast. And so, you know, this is a big issue. So, mm-hmm. so what do we do? All we can do is look at our own vulnerability 
and our own ability to emotionally open as safe and beautifully as we can. We can also, if we feel that we have mastered, for want of a better word, the ability to be able to do that, then it is our role to share the light and to help others to feel safe so that they too can share in a little bit more expansion of opening of their heart. And I remember one day, you know, my beautiful dad, I know he loves me. Does he say it? He can't say the words. Yeah. Now, one Father's Day, poor guy, I had just come back from a 12-day intensive retreat in Uluru. Poor thing. And I was a bit of a, bit of a, you know, bull in a china shop. It was Father's Day. And I said, Dad, I love you. And I gave him a big hug. And he said, you too. And I went, no, I want you to say the words. And he squirmed and I just kept hugging him. He was squirming in my <laughs> arms, the poor man. And this is why and he I chose said, you to Dad, be daughter, Jane. I really want you to say it. And mum's going, oh, don't be silly, Jane. You know he can't say it. And I'm saying, come on, Dad, you can do it. You can do it. Anyway, he said it. And I said, I, actually, I said, no, I promise you, if you do it once, I will never ask you again. You've just got to do it once. And he did it. And this brings tears to my eyes because yeah. it wasn't for me to hear. It was for him to feel what it feels like to do it. That's why you made him do and it. And that's why I made him do it. Yeah. And he was, he had the biggest grin on his face that I have not probably seen in, I don't know, 50 years. Yeah, right. It was amazing. And I held my word. I've never made him say it again. And has he ever offered it up since? No, of maybe, course maybe not. on the deathbed. No, no. But you know, I, I don't need it. Yeah. No, I did need it for many years. I did need it and didn't yeah. get it. But you know, that's what these podcasts and that's what therapists and healers are for. Is to we we are able to empower ourselves with with healing this stuff. We don't need the other to help us. But I share that as an example because it is such a beautiful gift to give to another, even if it is just one tiny moment. For all I know. He may replay that image in his head every night before he goes to bed. Right. I don't know. I don't know what goes on in his mind. We can't assume. All that we can trust in is the fact that that was an amazing moment and that's a gift. Yeah. That is a gift. So that's the role that we play. So I want to talk about um, how I personally have been working on emotional unavailability in my journey and how I know it resonates with the girl that's written this email in because she's probably possibly the same as me. I mean, the fact that we're all highly sensitive here, the fact that I'm a healer for a living, you know, a giver, and I'm naturally expansive, you know, I'm a psychic, so I'm always kind of expanding my energy out all the time, which which is another way of kind of bringing people into your embrace or just sort of going out to meet people on where they're at and their stuff. And and it's it's it is. And I've got the people pleaser mother, and and I'm I'm definitely the one who doesn't do the confrontation. So all of that adds up to giving, giving, pleasing, pleasing, making everyone happy, and all of that one way flow of energy, which we all know is very dangerous if it's not kept in check. Because if it doesn't come back around and fill up your own love tank, this is where the breast cancers and things start to happen right so i have traditionally attracted men who for whatever reason presumably because like jane said right at the start of the podcast you don't want to be hurt so even though intellectually you kind of get it and of course you think you want love or you want a relationship or whatever you're kind of going out and your subconscious is running the show and your subconscious vibrationally is bringing in, well, he can't hurt me because he'll never really let me get too close and I'll never really let him get too close to me. So there it is. Perfect match. And yet intellectually you kind of don't get it because you're thinking, 
how come he's not adoring me? I'm a goddess. I'm a press. I deserve more than this. You know, I, I get self-love. I've, I've got a podcast on self-love. What is this bullshit? You know, and, and it's sort of flabbergasting and, and it's also very confusing. It's a bit like gaslighting because I think often in relationships where there's one person who's emotionally unavailable, it's not hugely obvious. There can be love between the two of you, but it's conditional love. It's the kind of love where, it's, I mean, and it's quite hard to explain, and that's why I think sometimes when people get entangled in emotional unavailable connections, it takes ages to see them for what they are because they they can fool you for ages. They're very, they're not always very obvious because the person who is emotionally unavailable can be quite warm. They might be giving. You might see them hugging children or being beautiful with babies, or maybe they they volunteer in a nursing home, or maybe they've got six kids. You know, you know, maybe they're um, they're fantastic in bed. Maybe you just love them and you know you've had past lives with them and you adore them. None of that counts for anything. It doesn't matter if they can't fully surrender and give over their heart to you. So what I've had to learn is it's about, as, as calculated as this sounds, this is the one thing that's helped me. It's about making people earn my giving, okay? Now, that's different from charity. It's different from helping people. It's different from naturally being gorgeous. Was well, that similar to me saying people I, earn it through my friendship is, is built over a long, deep process? I think this is our, our same thing. Same thing. So, but I've, I've had to use a little kind of mental image to get me this, this picture clearly because I get really lost in the gray area here. Yeah. So the mental, so let's, let's do it just in terms of love life. So if, if I bring in a boyfriend who, I'm immediately like, here's this information which I know will help you and I'll drop this round at your house and let's go out and I'll plan the meal and then we'll, you know, it's like I sort of rush in and I caretake the whole thing. And, of course, he's going to go along with that because what guy isn't, right? So he'll go along for the ride and then one day I'll wake up feeling like he didn't call me yesterday and I told him I had something important to talk about or how come he didn't ask me about that big job interview I just had or, you know, he's been really cold and distant tonight and I haven't actually heard from him for two and a half days and, and all of a sudden you start to think, well, that's not fair because, you know, you, you know, you can put yes. the evidence down and you just don't understand it because we had that connection and we had that beautiful lovemaking session or we had that a gorgeous date or whatever it was and you don't understand why is he being so cold and is it me? So you need to view the emotionally unavailable partner or any partner, I would, I would go so far to say, for healthy boundaries sake, as a bank account. And you do not give people unlimited credit. They have to earn money. So how many pennies has he earned? How many dollars <laughs> of this. credit has this man actually put in? Because if you're just giving him unlimited credit cards all the time and all of this free stuff and da 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 well, it's like we were saying in last week's episode about charity. People don't value money if they've never had to value money. If you keep throwing it at them, it's just all wasted energy, right? So you, as, as awful as this sounds, it's actually a little bit about keeping score if you want to really moderate your own behavior and, and give, give percentages. How much percentage am I giving and how much is, am I actually receiving back? Brutally, honestly. I'm giving him 11 out of 10 at the moment. Last week he gave me a three and I haven't had much since. So yeah. lower it back down to a three until he meets you or raises the bar. If this man is not meeting you and or never raising the bar and giving you more sometimes, red flag. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Thanks, Rahab. I've got so much going through my mind there. I have a million different clients that would enjoy that. <laughs> Very good. Um, 
Right. Yeah. So have, and so emotional. Have, I want to know if you've put this into practice. Yeah, I have been. I have been. Um, because I got stood up twice by a guy, and I realised, Rebecca, do you know why? Because you've been running the show, giving, giving him too much, being too available, being too easy, being too needy. Hey, this guy actually hasn't put anything into this yet. Why are you making yourself so available to this person? So I said, okay, hang on. So I backtracked and I sent him a message saying, uh, like he was all, oh, sorry, forgot. And I said, well, you know, that's cool. I said, but it's kind I, of like if you're not going to make me a priority, I'm not going to make you that's one. That's right. You're correct, Jane. And I said, well, that's fine. I'd rather save, in effect, I meant, you know, what I've, the gifts I've got to give or what, what I've got to bring to this for the right interest slash circumstance. Perfect. And Gorgeous. What, what, what happened? Two messages back. Bang, bang. Just like that. Oh, no, it's not that I'm not interested. Oh, da, 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 da. are you free on Sunday? And so what did I do? I said, no, no I've actually I'm made not. plans on Sunday, but could be next week. Just check in. Nice. And Lovely. that is how he has to earn back some pennies. I like this because I'll often say that dating is a game, but love is not. But you've got to get this energy exchange that's going on because this is where so much self-sabotaging behavior comes. Right. But it's also where the gifts come of self-management because you would possibly find that this is something that's happened in other relationships like with girlfriends or with of course. Where it's not being, you know, it, it has been imbalanced or um, colleagues or mother-in-law. Yes, people exactly. Who take, take, take. Because you've allowed it. Unlimited And, and the victim story is that, you know, what's not my fault. They're just takers. Well, maybe it is yeah, your fault. Maybe, right. you know, I love this money exchange or this credit in the bank. Credit in the bank. Yeah. yeah. And so I just want people to really get real about the healthy signs, particularly in a relationship, of what a partner should be meeting you on for it to be a normal, healthy type of a, a dynamic, right? Yeah. And so... The you know, other thing I'd like this girl to also explore is, because I believe that's absolutely, you've hit the nail on the head there, terrific. But I would also say that there is some fear of real deep, deep emotional connection that is from being hurt. So I'd wanted yeah. to really have a look at where is this, where has this come from? Now, she may not have experienced it herself in a relationship but being highly, look, I'm sure our whole tribe's highly sensitive, aren't they? So we're just going to go, you know what, she's probably an empath as well. She may have witnessed parents, one of the parents being, or both parents having, I mean, if they're divorced, she might have witnessed all sorts of, you know, heartbreak there. But if they're not, she might have just witnessed one massive argument when she was like two and a half years old right. that she can't remember. But it was, she remembers the feeling in the house she remembers the feelings of what her parents were going through and that has labelled that I'm not going to ever make myself that vulnerable that I could be that hurt. Or sometimes as an empath, you, you don't have to actually have experienced it or even witnessed it in the real world. You might have watched a very well-produced documentary or movie and or lyrics in a song that just – what was that? It's been 17 days and – 16 hours. What was that song? Sinead O'Connor, the girl that seven. No, hang on. It, it, I remember yeah. when it came out. I don't know. You might be too young, Beck, but I remember when it came out. They would never play a song like that on breakfast mainstream radio because it was it was a love song. Too it was so slow. too slow. <laughs> but they played it, and apparently the whole station was crying. All the girls in the office were all crying when they heard the song for the first time because the lyrics. This chick nailed 
to a T the journey of what you go through from the day that the boyfriend or partner dumps you and it was her journey. Now, that song could resonate on a cellular level with somebody that actually stays with them that I totally get what that feels like even though I've never gone through it. She's done such a good job of energetically delivering this message. I can feel it and I'm never going to go through that. So it just takes some exploration of what, what triggers when you think of a song like that are you able to now sit there and go, yeah, I remember that song. Yeah, that was gorgeous. But that was because I was a teenager and I was going through it all. Or is it still bringing you to tears and you can go, right, let's do a little bit of exploring. Here. Right, right. And I know when I did my exploring, you know, like I said, I trotted off to my muscle testing kinesiologist and I had a look and sure enough, no surprises. It was all hinged off all kinds of beliefs about I don't feel it's safe to be in love. I feel that a relationship would interrupt my life right now. It might detract from my children. It will be emotionally exhausting. I've got too much else on my plate. It will just be a world of worry. Like all this bizarre stuff, which is hiding down under the surface that you wouldn't think is the flip side to, you know, everyone thinks our relationship better be lovely. But now, you know how we did a podcast a couple of weeks ago on magnificence? Yes. Okay. Here's how this ties into that podcast ties into this. Yes. Let's talk about upper limits. What upper limit do you have you given yourself on your love life? Such a cool word, Jane. Oh, I stole it. Oh, an amazing (laughs) book called What's it called? It's incredible. Get it, get it, get it, everybody. The Big Leap. Okay. The Big Leap. This guy rocks. In fact, actually, I think we could do. I'm going to reread the book and we'll do a bit of a podcast on his stuff. Okay. But we might even see if we can get him on. Interview him. He's incredible. The Big Leap. So it's all about. We don't um, know his name. We're just talking. About I can't remember it. It, it. I can't remember it. I'm Google, sorry. Google it. Um, yeah. Look, it, it's it's yeah. It, it, the, the the cover of the book is a, a fish jumping out of a smaller fish pond into a bigger fish pond, right? And he actually heals what limits you've got going on that stop you from having being in the zone of genius. So you might be in the zone of competence. You might be in the zone of. Um, of uh, satisfactory or, or no, that's the same as confidence. There's, I can't remember what the, all the zones are. One of them is the zone of excellence and a lot of people will sit in that and maybe if you think you've been reasonably open emotionally, you're sitting in excellence. But when you start to identify this small part that says you're not, it's because you're wanting to move into the zone of genius. And, and that does sound rather intimidating, I have to say. It does. It does. We'll do a podcast on this. On well, if we can't get him, we'll do a podcast on his concepts because they're amazing. So, um, so I guess in in that is that is there a limit on what you believe you're worthy of? You know, people get paid what they believe they're worthy of. People get opportunities of what they think they're worthy of. People get um, selected and graded in whatever opportunities they've got on what they believe they're worthy of. And people get the amount of love of what they think they're worthy of. Right. Right. So oh, what's your it. upper limit? Yeah. You know, so we can look at the lower end and I like that we dig back to heal the past. Yeah. But we also can look at what's your top end of what is it you're not allowing in. Gosh, it's just, I know, the it's, blocks that we put up to our own magnificence and the walls that we put up to our own genius. And don't, I don't want people to get overwhelmed by all of this stuff they've got to think. It's just different tools because somebody might go, oh, no, don't don't think that inner child shit's for me. But upper limits, oh, yeah, that's for me. I want to get into that. So it's just different tools, different language, different different energy exercises that you can do yes. for whatever resonates with you for your situation. Definitely, definitely. So back to our beautiful listener. And anyone else who's joining some dots listening to today's show. So first off, if you identify yourself as either attracting a string of emotionally unavailable people like me, or there's one person in particular in your life who's been a real sticking point for a long time, 
first is first. You don't beat yourself up about it. We just want to observe. You can still continue your life the way you've been continuing it without making any changes at all as long as you just observe. Just begin. So you're getting some more conscious awareness. Gather the evidence, as Jane always says. <laughs> I do. So I was about just to say that. Gather funny. the evidence or just, just be a witness to your own life for a bit and start to see how you may actually begin to make some changes now that it is so in the forefront of your conscious mind. Okay? That means next time you interact with that emotionally unavailable person, whoever they may be, one that you haven't even met yet, the next one that's due to come along, pull a pattern interrupt on them. And it's up to you now to behave in a different way than you ever have before. I can guarantee you it's going to feel uncomfortable. If you're, if you're a giver, if you're a people pleaser, if, if, you know, like we, we sort of talked about earlier, if that's the way you operate, it's probably going to be an interesting lesson for you to pull back in and have some boundaries and to have some demands mm, and to nice. be able to verbalize what you want and need from that person in order for the exchange to be fair. And this will be unfamiliar territory for you. But that's why it's so important that you start to practice. And, of course, the more you do it, the emotional unavailable people will either literally change and meet you on your terms or they'll drop away and you'll just attract in a better caliber of person. I also want to remind people too that 99.9% of the time, life really does deliver for you what you can handle. You know, like the fear that I am going to die of a broken heart, I would never survive if this person left me if I really make myself vulnerable or whatever, you really can handle what life delivers to you. Yeah. Beautiful. I trust that life never delivers more to me than I can handle. But we like to deliver you guys probably way more than you can handle on our show. We, we've got so much to give. It's ridiculous. So it's such a good time doing keep it. Keep on it. taking, taking, taking all that we're throwing at you for free because let's just go off and change the world, shall we? That would, if I could die knowing that that had happened, I'd just, we'd all be very happy. We've all gone off and done our bit to change this world, change this reality for ourselves and for everyone else. So to that end, please keep joining us and being part of our tribe on the show, which is, of course, on thewellnesscouch.com. It's on iTunes Australia in we're number eight. Jane tells me at the moment. We are on Facebook. Which is facebook.com forward slash love life show. If you go on that page and scroll on the left hand side, you'll see our newsletter sign up. You want to sign up for that so we can keep you abreast of our updates and Jane's course. Oh, yes. Going well. Looking forward to it all starting. Okay. So people want to know more about that, they can go to, to janedonovan.com.au and that is for our gorgeous, highly sensitive people. Okay. So that's for Jane's HSP course. Also for coaching with Jane. If you want a psychic reading, hit me up at psychinstilettos.com or rebeccadetman.com. And until this time next week, Let's get real about our blocks and our walls. Let's open our hearts without fear and let's invite more open, connected, amazing relationships into our life. Life is perfect. I'm not trying. It's just happening.